I'm Cutter Calloway, and today we're breaking the marriage idol with Johan Kalilian. Trust behind a sorry garden, smother manipulated honey from rose. Johan is an author, actor, motivational speaker, and lead educator for the Can Do program in the inner city of Chicago. Shake your feet while you sit and fit all your dreams. Thanks for chatting with me. First off, um, you know, we, we are really just uh, kind of. Uh, know a mutual friend and so <laughs> right so it's uh, i love the way that happens though it's just oh, like yeah, you yeah. know somebody and they yeah. connect you're like hey let's meet yeah, up yeah, and yeah, yeah, make a podcast real quick that's the lovely podcasting world right um so uh, you kind of i was thinking about uh, talking to you and did you ever watch toy story the, the pixar movie yes yeah okay all when of I'm, them oh good good i was gonna say i don't want to assume anything and i but... cried in part three in case oh, you're wondering oh, yes. yes oh good good that's that's traumatic man. which that's... means i'm a real man just uh, i agree um we'll get to that in a second right right, uh, right. your man <laughs> yeah um so er, the first one um the buzz lands in the in the uh, the playroom and rex you know the, the dinosaur meets him and i saw this line he goes he's all now tell me what does a space ranger actually do mm-hmm. and it's like Here's a, a toy dinosaur meeting a space. He's, he, he really has no concept of what that even right. means. Um, and so I, I come into my conversation with you and it's like, you're a motivational speaker. Right. Now I've heard of these creatures before, yes. right? I've heard of these yeah. things, but but what exactly does a motivational speaker do? What's your what's your day-to-day look like? And how on earth did you become one? Right. I mean, part of it is uh, resurrecting the dead on a daily basis, right? I think that's what people expect from us is like they come to us and they're like, <laughs> I can't wake up in the morning or I don't know how to pursue my dream or stuff yeah. like that. It's like, oh, now I'm supposed to say something oh, yeah. that gets you to resurrect. And now you can go live a life that you didn't live before, uh, which obviously that's not it. Now, a part of it is I speak specifically, at least my career has primarily been directed towards teens. Hmm, okay. So high school kids has been the main audience. And what I do is share my story. Yeah. So so I tell my story in hopes to find uh, to really help kids find their own story. Hmm. The name of the talk that I give primarily is called The Crazy Ones. Hmm. And the essence of that is the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that do. Yeah. So I'm trying to recruit them and convince them that hmm. they can uh, change the world. So they got to be crazy ones with me. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I stay away from truisms and all yeah. those like, if you can believe it, then you can achieve it. <laughs> you know, those types of things are uh, really, <laughs> it's not my jam. Be but, the change you want to see. Right, right, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can do anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't. That's not my jam. So I, I primarily stick to being honest and, and telling yeah. stories. I try to be a vulnerable human being who just tells the truth. Yeah, yeah. I'm a former youth pastor myself, so uh, I, I always found that it's like I couldn't even stomach saying certain things to him. Like, oh, okay, come on, guys. I no, I'm not going to say that. Right. Um, but so much uh, uh, other sort of narratives they get are so about that, um, whether it's film or, you know, music or whatever, it's like, you know, you can do anything. It's like, no, you're not. I'm five, two. I'm never going to play in the NBA. Right. You know? exactly. <laughs> I mean, like there's right. some things I'm not going to do. Um, well, that's cool. How, uh, what was it that sort of brought you to it? Like, how did, did you always want to do that or what? No, not at all. Huh. It was, I, I, it was actually never a thought in my mind. Oh, wow. I grew up in the inner city of Chicago and <clears throat> really fell in love with basketball at an early hmm. age. So I started playing ball, uh, at 10 years old, watching mm. Michael Jordan oh, yeah. uh, while growing up. So I was like, I just wanted to be like Mike. But then I realized as a Puerto Rican and Persian man, I didn't have <laughs> the same relationship with gravity that he did. You know <laughs> what I mean? He seemed to be able to float and get up there a little bit uh, 
<laughs> better than I could. So I started to shoot more and like develop my skills as a shooter. Um, and my first dream was I wanted to be in the NBA though. Hmm. And it wasn't until uh, in college, I, I had actually made a decision based on my guidance counselor who told me I wasn't smart enough to go to the University of Chicago. Oh, wow. And she, um, I got this letter that said, we wanted you to come play basketball at the University hmm. of Chicago. I met with her and she was like, you're not smart enough to make it here. So that was really discouraging for me. And as a kid who was only confident in my basketball skills, I decided, okay, well, maybe I need to prove myself academically first. So I decided to go to a different school and um, I did well, actually, my first year academically. Then I'm like, okay, my second year, I'm going to pick up basketball again. And the school that I chose, which is Northeastern Illinois University. Uh, fighting, fighting badgers? What, what, <laughs> no, what is that? I, I actually don't even know. Cause, <laughs> so this would happen the second year is they dropped all athletics. Oh, wow. Wow. So now I was in this place, you know, as an 18-year-old thinking, oh, well, maybe it's just not meant to be. You know, like I had this first negative voice and now I'm here. I, I tried hard my first year to do well academically and I did. Yeah. And maybe it isn't in the cards for me to play basketball. So I just decided I'm going to stick to um, being in school and I pursued a communications degree. I, yeah. I felt like the next best bet for me was mm -hmm. uh, being an ESPN broadcaster. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I want to be around the game mm -hmm. as much as mm -hmm. possible. And then God doing what he does. I became a Christian when I was 20 mm -hmm. and that shifted everything for yeah, me. One of the yeah. first clear things that I heard from God was I'm going to use your voice. Hmm. So at that point, I didn't quite know exactly what he meant. I was yeah. like, well, maybe I'm going to be a rapper. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know what, there's so many ways to use my voice. I, I yeah, started, God, you're using my voice in a super cool way. You know what way, I'm saying? Right? Like, I want to yeah, be yeah. the coolest voice person yeah. or, you know, voiceovers or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. podcast, yeah, host, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, so I read a book shortly after that that said, uh, leaders take initiative. Hmm. And you know, for the most part, people are like, oh, you're a leader, you're a yeah, leader. Yeah. You get a lot of the voices, especially yeah. when yeah. you're early in the Christian oh, experiment yeah. where people are just saying, this is what you are. You should be a pastor. Oh, yeah. You should oh, be yeah. this. You're a yeah. leader. So I was like, OK, well, people mm. say I'm a leader. And if I'm supposed to take initiative, let me put myself out there and figure out where I can speak. Yeah. And one of my friends says, hey, we're speaking on abstinence. Huh. Uh, why don't you come and check out a classroom and see what we do? And if you like it, huh. you can start speaking, too. So I was like, great, uh, huh. I'll do that. So I observed two classrooms. Then the next day I was like, I'd love to tell my story. Oh, so cool. the next day she was like, you can do this. So that kind of began this whole journey. So it, the absence thing was simply like, oh, that's what the invitation was. Not necessarily, I've always no, wanted to. It wasn't a passion. <laughs> it was definitely not a passion. I don't know if there's anybody who has yeah, who a has passion, passion for not having sex. It's like, oh, oh, I'm just, just fired up about right. not getting busy today. <laughs> Especially you're 20 at the time. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm 20 years old. And I was like, oh, oh man. all right, we'll see. But I think that's the thing that what I felt, and I'm sure that yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people who meet Jesus for the first time yeah. at that stage in life, yeah. especially they have this strong desire to be like, whatever it takes. Yeah. yeah. And and that was really the way that I felt. Like I was like, whatever it yeah. means to follow Jesus, like mm -hmm. I want to do that. And so that's where that fire came. And I didn't really, you know, I guess yeah. a part of it was like, I didn't understand the implications of what I was getting myself into. <laughs> sure. But I was ready to dive in head first. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a good description of like faith in general, right? Just, um, I don't have any idea what I'm committing to, but I'm committing anyway. Right. Because I, I can't do otherwise. Right. Um, it's really interesting. I, I mean, that's a pretty interesting connection. One that that you sense this sort of these narratives in your life. So you have the narrative of you're not smart enough to go to school or your own narrative of I'm going to be a basketball player or whatever it is. Then you you basically inherit this new set of narratives when you become a Christian. Um, and 
what, so you were 20 when, when you discovered Jesus, discovered this sort of new whole host of things you were yeah. aware of. Um, and so since then, how, are you, are you free to share how old you are now? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm 38 now. There you so go. All been, right. We're same age. 18 years. 79. Right. There you brother. go. Yeah, there you go. Give me the fist bump. That's you can't right. see oh, this yeah. out there, that's but right. we're just bumping um, fists. So, so now you've had almost the second half of your life, a part of this community, right? right. Where you're, you're. Um, being told, you hear these voices, these stories about who you are, who God wants you to be, what you should do, you know, leader, pastor, speaker, whatever, abstinence. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say it has been the primary story about marriage and singleness and and then uh, related to that sexuality, so the abstinence thing? What has been that primary story that you've inherited in this the last 18 years? Oh, man, the last 18 years. Yeah. I feel like there's been different narratives mm -hmm. that yeah. I've stepped into because I think in the beginning, uh, especially, it was marriage is the top of the mountain hmm. as mm -hmm. a single person. Yeah. Definitely, like if you want to achieve the quintessential sort of like Christian life, hmm. you get married yeah. to a godly woman and you have kids and you raise godly children. Yeah. And like that is life at, at its best, really, hmm. as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as also, like when we were teaching abstinence, and this is something that in retrospect, I'm, I'm so ashamed of certain things that we said in the yeah. classroom, because, you know, I don't think we gave uh, kids the, the proper tools to mm. understand, yeah. right? Like, here's why it's not. Well, I mean, I think actually we did a pretty good job of saying, here's why it's not a good idea. Yeah. But we taught primarily in public schools. Yeah. yeah. So it got to a point where it's like, you know, mm. what keeps me strong yeah. <laughs> really ultimately is my, my faith in God. Oh, so sure. there, there comes a, a point where it's like all this uh, evidence to yeah. not do it. What happens to us, I yeah. think, you know, as humans is that's in the yeah. back of our head because oh, we're yeah. just feeling a moment of passion and sure. like, or you're alone and fill yeah. in the blank of all these things that can yeah. happen, you yeah. know. So um, I think there's <laughs> a lot of toxicity that revolved around just don't do it. Yeah. no but we're not going to give you the human side of yeah. it and how much of a yeah. struggle it is. And what do you do when you want to live in secrecy? All the while telling the kids it's the best thing ever. And it'll be exactly. amazing. And it'll be even better if you wait and things exactly. like this. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. So at least the book that I've written sort of sets up kind of, as you described this marriage is the mountaintop mm -hmm. experience. Um, it's the, the prize or whatever at the end of whatever. Um, what would be a prize at the end of the tunnel? Light at the end of yeah, the light tunnel. Yeah, right. the prize at the end. But anyway. there's a pot of gold at pot the end of, gold of the rainbow. rainbow. Right? That's right. I've been saying that to people lately. You're 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 my pot, the pot of gold at the end of my rainbow. Um, some but lucky charm. That's right. Some lucky charm. So, um, if that's sort of how how the Christian community anyway conceives of marriage, um, and maybe even the broader culture understands marriage for singles, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think broadly, you know, marriage is sort depending on who you ask, is either rubbish or not meaningful or whatever, but it still does seem like there's this push toward um, kind of a, a, a coupling, you know, of romantic right. love, uh, sort of climaxing <laughs> right, right. Hey. in, you know, this, yeah. this thing, right? This commitment. Um, and so how do you think um, that, but let's think just about the church, right? The, the Christian community of which you're a part. Um, how does that weight that sort of ghost that haunts everything how does that inform the way you think about these things in terms of your own uh, steering or navigating of your sexuality your sexual desire as a single person right right now? you know what's what's interesting is i think that ghost used to haunt me more hmm. before i had sex 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so now and exercised it then. Right. Yeah. I think, and that was the thing is it was sort of like what released the pressure because that whole idea of like, I can only have sex in marriage. And I was like, well, I want to yeah. experience sex and I want to experience yeah. these. And then once I had sex, I was like, oh, hmm. so now I don't yeah. have to, to get married to have sex. Huh. Mm-hmm. And now there was, so that was the sort of strange cocktail that I experienced when I had sex for the first time. It was like, sure, I felt like I didn't attain mm-hmm. my goal, but I also felt this huge weight mm-hmm. lifted off my shoulders mm-hmm. where, where now I didn't have to be this thing that I think I had created yeah. for myself yeah. and that I think other people had created yeah. for me as well. It's, it's, it's kind of messed up, but people in the beginning of me starting to share how I failed yeah. were like, you know, oh, some people were like, we're disappointed and you yeah, didn't yeah, make yeah. that, you know, but some people were just telling me, don't share, like hmm. stop talking about it because oh, really? you shouldn't, huh. you shouldn't tell people that you're flawed in this way or you messed up in this way. And this you're not even, you're not even speaking on absence anymore. This is just I'm in not, general. Right. This is just huh. for, for me as a human being, because they're like, well, people are going to judge you and people are going to say, oh, well, you know, Johan said this and this, and now he messed up as opposed to it hmm. being the truth of my yeah. story, which yeah. is like, Hey, this is what happens. Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't have the strength to finish yeah. a certain type of race, yeah. but there's a bigger race that I think we're all a part of, right? Yeah. Like when yeah. it comes to yeah. life and I mean, for oh, yeah. us as men and being, yeah. you know, good humans, like that's another race that I am definitely a part of, but yeah, I definitely felt hmm. released from the, from the hmm. pressure of that idol. Hmm. Which runs, you know, like it's it's so interesting, you know, thinking about, uh, especially evangelical sort of subculture of, of of purity of marriage that marriage is the the prize, it is the thing, it's the ideal, um, but it's it becomes such a letdown on any number of levels because one, it doesn't just the relationship itself ends up not fulfilling you in the way that we tell people. Right. Um, but then too, especially in terms of sexuality, you hear all these stories of just like, um, you know, even people who waited until marriage and all of a sudden, because in their mind, right. there was this like enlightened yeah. state that they entered and it didn't happen. And they're like, Oh, was it all right. a lie? Right? right. I mean, was it just, you know, um, and it's so, so as we think about then, uh, so how do we talk about it? So like, how do we talk then? I'm assuming, well, I'm assuming, I don't want to assume. Yeah. Are, are you, do you want to get married still? Is this yeah. something you'd like to do? I do, yeah. Um, and so as you think about uh, both the day that you might get married one day and then now, between now and then, um, I wonder if, how do you think about chastity? Um, and I say that word, not in the word of like purity culture or something yeah. like that, but there's this, um, a woman wrote a, a, a book, bringing sex into focus. It's a really good book. Uh, Carol Simon's her name. And so in all the sort of virtue ethics that people talk about, they mm-hmm. use this word chastity in a very specific way. And she says, it's the virtue that helps us focus our sexual energies on committed relationships. It also enables the successful integration of sexuality within a person that results in inner unity between bodily and spiritual being. Hmm. Um, then the last sort of part, when we, when we are chased, we are able to use our sexual powers intelligently in the pursuit of human flourishing and happiness. And so part of what I, I like about that, and maybe we want to use a different term, I don't know, right. um, but it's sort of this classical notion of chastity of, of it's not to say, and I feel like that was the, where I erred a lot as whether it's a youth pastor or just adult advising people or just my own life is that, the purity, I'm putting that in air quotes for people right. that can say, <laughs> notion is like a an all or nothing, a yes or no, a black or white, you either are or you aren't. 
Um, whereas this notion of chastity is how do I how do I direct what will always be there, and that is this sort of sexual energy in ways that enable me to flourish. Um, so as you think about that as a single person who hopes to be married one day, given all of your story, how, how does that help in terms of thinking about, or does that describe well what you're trying to do in terms of uh, navigating, steering your own sort of sexual energies? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's an amazing definition. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you could send that to me later. I, wanna, I will. I want to I I I break it down a little bit and meditate on it. But I think part of what it makes me feel is, I don't know if I've ever been that, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think from the outside looking in, if we talk about people who's like, oh, don't share that you failed. Like, I don't know if I've ever hit the mark when it comes to really allowing all my sexual energy to to flow in this healthy direction. Because I think I've been sort of like close, mm-hmm, but... Mm-hmm. You know, and this this is me being real with you. Like I became um, exposed to pornography in second grade, yeah. right? So as a as a little boy mm-hmm. who is just experiencing these mm-hmm. sexual images and ideas and not knowing what to make of it, and then you just continue to grow, and nobody ever sits you down and talks about it, and then you start hearing later on that it's bad and <laughs> right, and don't do this and mm-hmm. don't do that. I I feel like I've always sort of been floating around trying to figure out. Like, what am I supposed to do with this sexual energy, like repressing it? And then early on in my Christian experience, when I would mess up, I would just feel guilt. And then I wouldn't feel the freedom Hmm. to share and talk about it in an open forum because I was like, you know, the moment I started to a little bit, it was like, oh, no, why? And then I felt beat up and ashamed. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to talk about it. And that was a large part of my experience for a long time was like, oh, I'm just going to struggle in secret. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything because it mm-hmm. seems like nobody wants to hear it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to you know, people are going to make me feel bad. Yep. So I just don't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think a part of what I'm trying to figure out now and, and what I do understand and believe is I've been doing my best to release the ego from all of it. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think for a large part of my, you know, speaking on abstinence, that yeah. became an ego struggle. It was oh, like, shit. look how strong I am because I'm this guy who's yeah. waiting. And yeah. and it was just all mm-hmm. about me as opposed to it really being about, you know, what this definition talks about. Yeah, yeah. It's like the really pure sexual energy that's focused yeah. in a direction that is good for not only myself, but humanity yeah. and yeah. connecting to God. That's what I wanted. I've always wanted yeah. to be a part of. And I have felt sort of like in and mm-hmm. out of that flow. And part of what I believe is the benefit of not having sex is teaching yourself that you can't get what you want when you want it. And I think there's so many spiritual tradi- you know, traditions that are rooted in that, right? Because mm-hmm. that's part of what we do mm-hmm. as people is we, and especially in this mm-hmm. culture right now, is like we're addicted to getting what we want when yep. we want it. Yep. And if we, can, if we can walk in traditions that help us yep. understand and realize that's not the way life works. Yeah. So you have to be really good at pushing back your desires when that's what needs to happen. Yeah. So that's part of why I see the, you know, sort yeah. of like the the flow of chastity. Yeah. If it's, you know, something that we all want to embrace, I understand. But I understand, like I said, I yeah. understand also the struggle with, oh, yeah. well, what if you, you know, you just feel like now's the time and you yeah. do need a little <laughs> bit of it. But <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, it reminds me, I had a, a good friend um, who was a virgin until he was married and he got married when he was 40. So he, you know, we jokingly, he was the 40 year old virgin. He was. Uh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to and avoid that. So, I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, and he, he, same, same sort of struggles. He also um, led a, a men's group uh, for people struggling with either sex or pornography addiction, just in general. 
Um, and he too had, you know, would, would talk about his own, uh, pornography addictions. And it was really interesting, you know, after he got married, um, I go to him, I'm like, Hey man, I'm like, Hey, you know, congratulations. You know, it's like a week later. And then of course you, I'm sure he heard this from literally everyone in his right. life. Cause he's pretty open about being a virgin. When I, I'm like, well, you know, did, yeah, you how know? Was it? and he's like, and it was really interesting. He's like, you know, <laughs> I, and, and, and this was his, you know, and, and he go, he says something like, I'm really glad I didn't. Uh, sacrifice sort of my integrity for that. And I was like, hmm. oh, interesting. that's interesting. And I'm like, what do you mean? So it's sort of the inverse of what you're saying. And he's like, you know, it became such a big deal at a certain point. Um, I feel like if I had given it up, um, that I I would have been disappointed just because it was like, it was so not a big deal, right? right? And on top of that, now again, he's 40, so he has some of the, the wisdom to be able to say that. The other thing that he said that was really interesting that connects to, to what you're saying is... Um, he said, what I'm struggling with though now is that, uh, with my pornography addiction or whatever, sexuality is everything I want, whenever I want it, how I want it. Mm-hmm. And that is not anything like what actual sex no, is about, yeah. at least good sex, yeah. um, and married sex with my wife. And he's like, and I have to be honest, that other sex was better. Right. And I'm like, Oh wow. That, you know, so I'm like yeah. mind blown of right. some of the complexities here. Um, so I wonder, and it's getting at to what you're saying, like, it's actually not about me like healthy flourishing sexuality in any context isn't isn't all that great (laughs) if it really is just me so as you think about that um what do you expect what do you like if you're going to anticipate the hurdles that you're going to face when you do get married let's just say when okay i'm going to pronounce it now let's go Um, come on now (laughs) if and when you get married um are you thinking through that what what are some of those things you might take in um that you'll still struggle with you think and what might be some new hurdles that being married presents to you that right now maybe you don't have? Right. Well, let me, I want you to remember that question because something stuck oh, out okay, to me. Please, yeah. Because I think part of what happens, especially in the Christian world, is we become consumed with appearances. Mm-hmm. So as long as you look like you're yeah. a thing, the Christian world is happy. Yeah. As opposed to, are you actually on a spiritual path? Yeah. Like, yeah. are you walking with Jesus? Yeah. Because sometimes that doesn't look like everything is yeah. okay. And for whatever yeah. reason, we are more okay with you looking good yeah. than you being a wreck, but actually <laughs> your soul is in a good place. Mm-hmm. We don't, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, we can't, mm-hmm. we can't handle that. And yeah. I think that's a large part of what has happened with yeah. sexuality yeah. and this conversation is like, so as long as I'm abstinent yep. and I haven't had sex, yo, that looks great. Yeah. But internally, if we're watching pornography, you know, fill in the blank of all the other struggles that we can have in the meantime, if we're taking that line farther and farther and farther, right? As long as, well, you didn't go Mm -hmm. all the way, so you're okay, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. No, actually, I'm not, you know, like I'm not in this And it's so burdensome, right? Yeah. Hearing your story, that's, it's just the, the Jesus stuff, like, you know, in terms of yokes, like what we, what religious people tend to do is set up really technical and clear rules so it's like, you know, your technical V card, right? right? It's like, okay, this is what constitutes losing virginity, but everything leading up to there where it's like, okay, all of that could be equally destructive or unhealthy or whatever, but as long as you're not technically, you know, lost your virginity, you're well, fine. And, but this, and so this is the thing, exactly. And and for me, and that's why I love how God shows up in all our stories, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for me, I firmly believe that because my ego was so deeply rooted yeah. in me being abstinent, that me failing yeah. was essential to my yeah. growth. Yeah. It was it was essential yeah. to my awakening process. Hmm. 
Because now, and to go into your question, it's like what I feel like I'm going to be able to contribute as I do get married is a new level of humility and Hmm. understanding and love. Because before I was going in like, Mm -hmm. do you know how good I am? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, And not just about sexuality. (laughs) Because it was like, yo, I've been this strong guy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even part of what I would say Mm -hmm. publicly is like, I'm giving her this gift. And (laughs) right. And and that Uh was a part of the way that I would speak because I had this ego that revolved around, I'm bringing in all this good stuff. So you Mm -hmm. better bring what you're bringing to the table too. And now it's like, hey, I'm a messed up, yeah. flawed guy yeah. and not because i'm beating myself up yeah, just yeah. because i kind of understand look i yeah. struggle you're and, human right and now yeah. i'm okay with i think what has happened to me through the failure <laughs> if, if we want to call it that is i'm okay with saying that whereas in the past i was not okay uh, with talking about yeah. hey i struggle yeah. i messed up because i wanted to be the strong guy mm-hmm. i wanted to be superman i wanted a guy who got it you know like i wanted to be that guy who got it right more often than he got it wrong yeah and now it's just it's switched because i'm yeah. like I'm okay with saying sometimes I get it wrong yeah. more often than I get it right. You know, it's so funny too talking about you know just manhood or whatever. That's another one of the narratives that goes on in in sort of especially sort of Protestant U.S. evangelical churches. I'll be very specific. Um, there is this bound up in that this notion of the strength of manhood and well your virility, meaning that you're like this like amazing sex experts on the one hand, right, right. like, you know, you're going to walk into marriage and be, you know, uh, you know, uh, some amazing person. But then on the other side, um, you are strong enough to resist all temptations mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Um, even though you aren't given any sort of tools and what I'm hearing you say, and I think it's really helpful is to acknowledge that not just in matters of sexuality, but in all matters, humility and demonstrate like leading from weakness is important yeah and um, that's like an essential thing that we also don't get a lot of pictures of we're handed uh pictures of strength and um courage and um standing up against temptation not acknowledging when you fail and how you're weak right. and what how much you need someone else to to help you is that how you think about um talk about uh, sexuality as a single christian now looking toward possibly getting married. Yeah, I think so. It's another one of those benefits because as we were talking about earlier, we're not given reasons why waiting until marriage is actually practical. Yeah. Right. And and one of the things that I discovered in terms of like the practicality. And by we, you mean specifically Christians. I think Christians. I think we're never given the practicality of the pursuit. Hmm. So one of the things that I discovered as I was sort of asking questions and and thinking about it was as a guy who's been an athlete my whole life, I would spend more time in practice Hmm. than I would the actual game. Hmm. And I understood because of my life as an athlete that if I wasn't practicing, I wasn't going to be ready for the game. Hmm. Like I'd go into the game, I'd be Hmm. tired. I wouldn't be able to hit as many shots. Right. You know, there'll be people who are quicker than me and I wouldn't be up to par. But for whatever reason, you hear people say, well, I'm going to live whatever type of life I want. And then I'm going to get married, even though I was sleeping with tons and tons of people. I'm going to get married and then I'm going to stop because I'm with this one person instead of understanding. Well, but if we've been practicing a way of life (laughs) and then if the big game Mm -hmm. is being committed and faithful Mm -hmm. and monogamous now in marriage. Are we ready? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's been for yeah. me, it's like the practicality yeah. of knowing, well, if I want to be ready yeah. for fidelity, if I want to be ready to just be with one person, yeah. then how do I prepare myself? Yeah. So I, you know, and obviously, like I said, it's like now there's this struggle of like, sure. I believe that is true. But then there's times where I'm like, yeah. well, what if I don't get married? Yeah. 
So what am I preparing myself for? Mm-hmm. See, that's so that's my new struggle. Whereas like, mm-hmm. I still think this is yeah. true. But if I don't believe, yeah. even though you gave me the word earlier, it's like, hey, I believe it's going to happen. And I do mm-hmm. want that. Mm-hmm. I do want. I think that's what happens to me. I was joking, by the way. I heard from God. He hasn't, he hasn't told me. <laughs> right. But I, and that's the thing is, I do. I do. Like, just being real with you. Yeah. I, I want to be sure. a married man with kids. Like, yeah. that's actually one of my dreams. Is like, I want yeah. to be a great husband and a great father. But I also know that not everybody gets that. Yeah. And um, if that is my story, and then I've spent this whole, like, I'm preparing, mm-hmm. I'm practicing mm-hmm. for the game, I'm practicing yeah. for it. But I'm like, okay. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Then to me, what was the point, right? So so that's the new struggle yeah. for me. That's a, It's a really good um, setup, I think, to another just sort of ongoing question I've had in terms of how we, as a community um, of, of faith, right? So you're not alone in this, mm-hmm. although the way that the church handles single people is to basically tell you you're alone, right? right? You're on your own, figure it out. Oh, but we'll, we'll, ha- we'll set up things so that you can not be alone. And then once you are, you're in the, you know, your full membership, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's a little uh, overstated, but it's, it's close, I think. Um, and I think part of it is, as we sort of tell these stories about marriage or whatever, that it is the epitome, it is the final thing, that that we don't give you, that's what the original title of the book was, Sex, Saints, and Singleness. The right. saints part was, as Protestants, so our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters have all sorts of, of um, images and pictures of stories of faithful people. Most of them were lifelong single people who also had taken vows of celibacy, right? right? And it's well, like, I mean, that's what they say. But yes, now, yeah. but, well, they yeah, might right, have failed right, right. of no, chastity. Yeah, yeah, right, right, chastity, right. Exactly right. Um, now they do, some of them do take a vow of celibacy, whether or not, you know, they succeed of is course, another question. Of course. But, um, but still, I mean, it's held up as this, like a reality, a possibility, a yes. thing that's to aspire toward, right? Um, it doesn't diminish marriage. They, you know, uh, there's still all sorts of valuing of marriage, but it is to say, this is a, a thing that can be possible. And in fact, you can thrive in it. It's not that you right. you may get to the end of your life and be like, well, I'm a failure, right? I, <laughs> right, didn't, right. I didn't get to do it. It doesn't mean that that you can't still think like, yeah, if that's out there, I want to have it. Um, and it, it just makes me wonder if um, part of the challenge that you face, and, and I really, uh, I feel bad for you in some ways because it's partly my fault, like as a, as a married person mm-hmm. in the church, but then it's the, the church culture that we've inherited um, that really sets you up to constantly be facing that question. Yeah. Right? Um, so I wonder if you could say in this journey, imagine you don't get married, yeah. right? Um, what would be the best way a person like me, a married dude, um, could come alongside you and help support you and in, in who God wants you to be and help you flourish um, in ways that right now you don't see happening? Right. And imagine me being a person that knows you more than the last 45 minutes. Sure. <laughs> you know what? But I mean, first of all, that's a, an extremely compassionate question, mm. right? I think that is a great first step to be like, hey, mm. how can how can I come alongside you and yeah. join you in yeah. what must be difficult? I think as easy as that was, I don't know if it was easy for you, but as easy as it just as it seemed that yeah, way, yeah. right? Like you're like, I'm going to ask this question. Yeah. And I'm going to communicate this to you. It's so crucial. Yeah. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it's so rare. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There aren't many people who say, hey, man, yeah. you're a single guy. I'm a married dude. Let me walk alongside you. Yeah. Yeah. Because it must be difficult to just, you know, go to sleep alone sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Right. To not yeah. be able to, you know, go to the movies yeah. with, with, you know, you have yeah. a wife that you can yeah. do these things that you're yeah. like, this is a part of our life. Mm-hmm. And those are some of the little struggles that I have where I'm like, yeah. I would love to call 
my wife and shared the good news of, yeah. you know, like, oh, I, I got an audition as an actor, or I, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I'm celebrating a gig as a speaker or yeah. filling the blank of all these things that are happening yeah. that I want to share with somebody. It's like, I can't, Yeah. I mean, sure, I have friends, yeah. but those are things that I can't do. So just understanding, mm-hmm. hey, this must be difficult. And I want you to know that you are not alone. Yeah. And, and also, because I think what happens too is, it seems like you're committed to stopping the narrative of like, your life will be complete when... Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that has to stop if if yeah. if we're going to feel like we're whole as as uh, single Christians, mm-hmm. we need to stop hearing your life will be complete when we yeah. need to we need to start here mm-hmm. hearing right now. Your life's complete. Yeah. And what's going to happen when you marry somebody is like you guys are going to join forces and have two complete lives yeah. that are now yeah. Yeah. a team. Yeah. Right. Like that's yeah. totally different. Um, so I would say. Doing this too is like saying, yeah. I want to hear your story. Hmm. So creating yeah. space for yeah. my story is something that's, oh, great. I think it's rare. Hmm. Once again. Does and, it, do you think that honestly, like, is that it, it in church cultures we're we're not, because it is one of the things in my book that I say, um, but again, I'm the married guy, but my perception is your voice isn't called for very often. Yeah, because hmm. I mean, you think about it and I'm sure you've experienced it uh, many times. We want to hear from the champions, yeah. right? We, if you're if you're waiting in a yeah. strong way, yeah. well, we want to hear from you yeah. because praise yeah. God and you mm-hmm. can. But if you're if you're in the struggle, yeah, do we want to hear from you? Mm-hmm. Not really, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to. I mean, you know, I've I've been a part of churches where when somebody sins when in the realm of sexuality, yeah. what do they do? They punish you for like a year, mm-hmm. right? You can't speak, you mm-hmm. can't lead, you can't. And I'm like. Is that what we need mm-hmm. to be told that when you do this one thing, oh, now you're not worthy of leadership. You're not oh, yeah. like, why is that? Mm-hmm. Why, why is it that you can't still be a person who has spiritual gifts, who still yeah. hears from God and can still minister and connect to people just because mm-hmm. you did this one thing? Is, is this the most vile, detestable <laughs> thing? Right. But, yeah, but yeah. I think that's the thing. So we yeah. come down on people and yeah. we don't allow space for broken people to share from these vulnerable well, not places. to mention, I mean, it's to assume that married Christians aren't sexually sinning also. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, or or that right. somehow is forgiven in different ways. Exactly. And if you're single, what are we saying about how we conceive of sexual failures that they're somehow so different, of a different kind? And in fact, most of what we struggle with, um, I think that's pervasive within church are things like power and pride right. and exactly. envy and, you know. I was going to say that. So, you know, yeah. um, and, and those are so insidious and we never address them. And I think sometimes it's because it's conveniently like, oh, well, look, that's a very obvious and clear way. We'll talk about that. And not all the stuff that really is is deeply troubling. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I think I think we're committed to appearances. Yeah, yeah. And the things that are easy to address are the things that you can blatantly see. Yeah. It's hard to see an addiction to pride, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to see a corrosive, self-righteous mm-hmm. spirit. And I think, you know, the control and the power and the manipulation yeah. that is present in church, mm-hmm. it's hard for us to just dig in and excavate that stuff yeah. because how do you how do you pinpoint it? And I mm-hmm. think that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people are not very good at. Part of why I believe that's true is, and this is where if we can get, you know, Pentecostal a little Please. bit, but um, I think the prophetic spirit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and calling yeah. has been X'd out. Like it's just kind of, mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. value people mm-hmm. who are truth tellers and who, mm-hmm. who ask questions mm-hmm. and who dig deeply. Mm-hmm. Instead, we want a teacher, we want good music, yeah. 
yeah. right? And then we're yeah. going to take that. We want a cool venue. Mm-hmm. We want those things, mm-hmm. which is to me very business oriented Christianity yeah. as yeah. opposed to this mystical, mm-hmm. right? Like prophetic, mm-hmm. faith driven community mm-hmm. that is rooted in who God is as opposed to something that is very predictable. Within the church, people have become so good at being Christian that uh, we've become, we've forgotten how to be human. And I think that's one mm-hmm. of the main things that has sort of like created this problem yeah. is that being Christian is about checks and balances yeah. and going to church and reading your Bible mm-hmm. and all these things that can seem very pious and religious. Mm-hmm. But being human mm-hmm. is vastly different. Being human is about being vulnerable. Yeah. It's about being committed to honesty, even if you don't always look that great. Yeah. And and it's fascinating to me because if you search the scriptures, mm-hmm you would come to the conclusion that actually being human and being honest and being vulnerable is more important than those mm-hmm. things. Like Jesus mm-hmm. says it, like pretty much every spiritual, <laughs> yeah. right? Like everybody, every spiritual yeah. giant has realized this mm-hmm. truth, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. we are where we are, yeah. where we don't value the things that actually yeah. connect us to God and to one another. And there's an empathy problem in the church. Yeah, yeah. There's an inability where, where, and that's why I say, I think one of the main things is what you just did, which is like, hey, yeah. I don't know what, it, it is because I'm I'm a married man now, but you're in a different space. So like, yeah. how do how do I walk alongside yeah. you? I want to be able to feel what you're feeling with you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If we were able to do that when it comes to the gay conversation, mm-hmm. when it comes to the trans conversation, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. aspect of sexuality that's difficult, even, you know, when people who struggle with mm-hmm. pornography, mm-hmm. people who struggle in marriage, who yeah. like just you just said it like I'm a married man does that mean my thoughts are always perfect or I don't have the desire if I see an attractive woman like, Mm -hmm. oh man, like what am I supposed to do, right? That's a struggle too. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. never stops. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But unless we have the empathy to say, guess what? I'm in the same struggle in this way. Yeah. Um, With that in mind, uh, think about sort of your you know, you're, you're a motivational speaker. So maybe yeah, this yeah, is yeah. too easy. I okay. 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 Um, but, it's a softball pitch right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, but I want to ask each of the guests on this, on this series to say, you know, one, what did you inherit? What were the sort of stories you inherited? And then what would that story be? You want to pass on, right? If you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to the Christian community, brother, and it could be, you know, your local community or just Christians at large right now. Um, what, what would that sort of story be about singleness, marriage, and sexuality, that sort of bound up thing? What what would that story be that you would want to shape the imagination of folks going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't what we've been talking about of, you know, repeatedly and routinely being told you're you're either a failure or you're fake or you're not quite human or fully flourishing. How would you describe that story? Right. Well, I want to share a story, a, a big revelation for me in my former relationship. So my ex-girlfriend, we were together off and on for about four years. Mm-hmm. And um, there was, in the beginning of our relationship, she had had a sexual past and, mm-hmm. and I didn't, right, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with judgment. I struggled with whether or not mm-hmm. I should be with her because of her sexual past. And... Um, and then we went pretty far physically in the beginning, but we didn't go all the way and we broke up, but then we would get back together again and be physical. And then we would break up again. And there was, there was a lot of toxicity in the relationship. And about two years ago, we got back together again. Mm. And for me, because there was so many ups and downs mm. and break offs and not really for us, not knowing how to relate to one another. Yeah. I had told her, I was like, Hey, 
the only way that we can try again is if we're in counseling. Hmm. So here we are, hmm. not married, yeah. in counseling, yeah. and I believe it was like our third or fourth session. And the the um, I was I was telling a story of like we had a fight about a sandwich, like uh, it was something dumb, natural. you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like I know we'll that never happens about, in marriage, yeah, right? Yeah. You only fight about important things, but mm. but here we are fighting about something stupid, and uh, the therapist looks at me and she says, "Well, it sounds like you get pretty defensive." <laughs> this is to you. This to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this to me. And I said, I said, of course I do. <laughs> I said, I if I don't defend myself, who mm. will? Like she doesn't have my back. And she just looked at me and she said, okay, I understand that. She's like, well, how's that working for you? Hmm. And she said, is it making you connect with her more? Is it creating intimacy? Is it giving you the things that you want in this relationship? And it just, I, w- I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, you got me, you know, but uh, I felt in that moment, oh, you're uh, right. Like I'm, I've spent so much time being defensive hmm. mm-hmm. that I haven't opened myself up to the things that are going to make this relationship actually work. And and for me, a large part of it was releasing this part of my narrative hmm. that was rooted in, I have to be right. Hmm. I have to be the better one. Hmm. I have to be the stronger one. Hmm. I'm the only one that's going to look out for me. Like all these things that were so toxic hmm. and that weren't, it just wasn't allowing me to connect to this woman that I deeply wanted to connect to. Hmm. And that goes back to me wanting to not be my parents who have an hmm. ugly relationship. Mm-hmm. Me wanting to be the strong abstinence guy mm-hmm. that I was for so long. So for me, if there was a central narrative, it would be stop defending a version of yourself that doesn't exist. Hmm. Hmm. Because I think so many of us do it is we want to be stronger than we really are. Yeah. We want to be more potent than we really are. Right? We want to be all these things <laughs> yeah. that if, we're, if we come to grips with it, the thing that I should have told her is like, hey, I love you. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that you're going to trample on my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that that you're going to leave me. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that fill in the blank of all those yeah. other things, because that's the truth. Yeah. But instead of doing that, I was mm-hmm. so defensive and constantly protecting and guarding myself that we you weren't able to connect. The music you cried, oh, do you? Thanks again to my special guest, Johan Kalilian. Follow him on social media at JohanSpeaks or at JohanSpeaks.com. See all I got words. See all I got is this. And as always, thanks to Day Salah Thompson for providing us with these sweet musical stylings. Hoping there would be a return.